Welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Tim Peterson, Senior Media Editor at Digiday. And I'm Kaylee Barber, Senior Reporter at Digiday. Kaylee, this week you spoke with Bonnie Kinzer from Trusted Media Brands. Trusted Media Brands owns publications like Reader's Digest, so publications that have been around for a while. How are they staying relevant? Reader's Digest is going on 100 years. It was first launched in 1922, um, which is crazy to think about. And their other brands are like The Family Handyman, which is, uh, you know, 70 plus years old, which is slightly younger, slightly newer, but still, uh, you know, a legacy brand, um, all things considered. And those three brands, I think, like any other media company, they've they've needed to go through this kind of digital transformation. While print is still important to them, and Bonnie talks about that, it's it's you know, important to be obviously where readers are. And in the ta- in the case of The Family Handyman, they've launched a online, um, they call it DIY University. Um, so it's online classes for, you know, building and stuff like that. That kind of ties into a reader revenue play in a digital sense. And then the other side of things is, is really leaning into commerce. Um, there's a lot of success there that they've seen since their brands are in that kind of niche focus. Um, so, you know, we talk about that. Um, but the other thing is is really trying to combine the first party data that's coming from digital, but then also what they've accumulated for decades um, in print and really trying to figure out how to link both of those areas and create a really strong um, first party data strategy, you know, looking at the at the upcoming um, cookie apocalypse. So we talk about all of that, but yeah, staying relevant is really important, obviously. A lot to dig into. So take it away with Bonnie Kayla. Thank you so much, Bonnie, for being on the podcast. Thank you. So happy to be here, Kaylee. So I guess it'd be great to start off with talking about how um, 2020 fared for um, trusted media brands' uh, publications. Um, some of your brands, like Family Handyman and Taste of Home, um, those seem pretty like hobby-driven or interest-focused publications. So I imagine that that probably translated well into an increase in both like traffic um, and potentially even in the commerce space uh, with people wanting to like invest in, um, you know, honing new skills or, or, you know, feeding their passions uh, while at home. Did you notice a significant increase in traffic for those brands or uh, across the portfolio this past year? Yeah, we we noticed an increase in uh, traffic across all of our brands. Um, And uh, Taste of Home now has 42 months in a row of year-over-year increase, traffic increase. So it's not just a pandemic thing. It's really a continuation. Uh, Family Handyman has done incredibly well breaking multiple records. Um, I think you're right. People are home and they're cooking and they're doing a lot of projects at home. It's the, there's no more excuses not to do the uh, honeydew list. Uh, Reader's Digest has also done well. And of course, launching the healthy uh, in, in the midst of a pandemic was uh, was good timing for us. So uh, and Birds and Blooms, I should not lose sight of Birds and Blooms as people have been home paying more attention to what's happening in their backyard, their birds and their flowers. Uh, we definitely saw a nice surge uh, in that business as well. So we had a great year. I, I just had a board meeting last week. And uh, I mean, I we've never been so far over budget. Our fiscal year ends June 30th. So we're almost three quarters into our fiscal and uh, it's an exceptional exceptional year for the first half of the year, which would have been the second half of calendar 20, um, we doubled our EBITDA, we doubled our earnings. So it was a great, it was, 
is a great year for us. I guess it, well, it makes sense with the fiscal year that kind of began um, July 1st, it sounds like. Um, You can kind of get rid of the first, like, few months of the pandemic where advertising was definitely hit and stuff like that. But I'm curious, for this past fiscal year um, that you mentioned, you're about three quarters of the way through, um, how did that, like, how did advertising perform um, for your brands? And, you know, specifically looking at that area, like, did you notice um, an increase in interest at all? Is it a different type of advertising than maybe you've noticed in past? Because there's, a, I think, a big focus on like e-commerce right now as well. Um, how did your advertising business kind of fare? Advertising is doing incredibly well. I would say we're about um, probably 40% up year over year in total, um, digitally even, even more so. So we've seen both a tremendous growth in uh, programmatic guaranteed, which is great for us. Uh, and also PMPs, uh, and also open market. So we're seeing it uh, really being driven by both rate and and traffic. So it's it's great to see that mix both working in our favor. Uh, and we continue to see that even you know into January and February. So it definitely is a continuation um, of growth. So and in terms of affiliate commerce, we're up 75% over last year. We've also hitting records. I think January was double of last year. Um, that, of course, for us, you know, we we may have been a little bit late to the party, uh, but uh, but making up for lost time. Um, we have a great team. We actually just moved our uh, affiliate group under editorial, which was a big big move for us um, because we have a lot of um, authority with our uh, audience in terms of our uh, content, and so we really wanted to make sure that we stayed true to that because we don't just want to sell them things. We want to educate them and build that trust with them. And so I think we focus on both responding to their demand uh, and also creating demand. So we're both creating content vis-a-vis reviews, but also starting to cover deals. And, uh, you know, that definitely drives, like yesterday, we had a great deal on a snowblower, which I thought was uh, very good timing, given what's happening yep. across our, uh, our country. Yeah, very good timing for sure. Um, and I have a ton of questions about commerce, but I did want to talk uh, a little bit more about advertising to, you know, really kick it off because I think there's a this year a big big focus for lots of publishers is um, first party data and um, how that is uh, going to be the I'd say you know, driving force for advertising revenue um, this year, but also definitely in 2022. Um, How much is first party data, uh, I guess, attributable to the advertising growth that you uh, mentioned uh, Trusted Media Brands has um, going for it this year? It definitely played a role. I mean, obviously, data is super important in everything we do. We're just actually moving over to Permitive uh, as our new DMP. So I suspect that this year will drive even that much more. But we're very focused, obviously, on on data and collecting it and really bringing it to bear for our advertisers. So I don't actually have a specific percentage. Uh, sorry about that. But I would say that it's in everything we do. We don't, there's no proposal, obviously, that goes out without data being being part of it. And we know that our advertisers value our data. We're very intent-driven uh, family of sites. So, you know, if someone is really engaging with us, they're really interested in that, in that topic. Um, and because you see, you know, the e-commerce growth, they're obviously interested in hearing other, you know, advertisers' messages and, and actually taking action. 
Do you have a, um, I guess, did you build your own kind of first-party data warehouse, um, or are you using uh, vendors for, for that kind of, like, data collection? So we've, we, we've built our own data lake um, for all of our digital data. We also have an enormous um, offline database, as you would imagine, uh, and we rebuilt that a few years ago. We, we affectionately call it the beast so uh, it's really, I think the magic for us is the connection of the beast to the data lake. Uh, and that's very much what we're focused on uh, and, and really making sure that we can bring all of that data because advertisers obviously reach out to consumers in all different sorts of ways. And I think that really distinguishes us that we can you know, deliver this kind of data um, and, and have a lot, a lot of household information um, in the beast. So, so that connection of the beast to, um, to the data lake is important. In fact, I have a meeting uh, in a little while after this call. They, they told me they were creating it for me as a Valentine's Day gift to show me the, how the linkages between the beast and the data lake are going. So um, it's, it will be very exciting for us to really uh, bring that power to the marketplace. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Is that, I guess, like combining your um, data that you have on your print subscribers with your online readership or uh, what's that kind of like? Uh, yeah. So really together? to look at the value of a consumer and to really know what that person is doing with us, because obviously human beings interact with a company in many different ways. And if they're coming, if they're a newsletter subscriber, um, and, or if they're just on our site and if they're buying the Taste of Home subscription box and if they're buying Family Handyman DIY University, all those pieces, it really gives you an identity, right? The ultimate identity graph. But for us, if we can have that digital identity graph plus all of this offline data it becomes uh, really quite powerful um, for us and for our advertisers, right? We are, we are also marketers uh, and we are always creating new products and services. So this is as valuable for us as it is for our advertisers. I know you mentioned you don't really have a, a percentage in mind of how much first party data um, le like led to the growth uh, in your advertising business last year. But I am curious, like, um, have you in speaking with advertisers or, or hearing like feedback from campaigns that used a lot of first party data within them? Um, have you heard like any like reactions from advertisers on maybe the changes in KPIs that they've been seeing or if um, first party data is leading to better campaign um uh, better campaign like outcomes than maybe third party cookies had been doing. Like, I guess, like, what are what are the conversations you're having with advertisers as a result of these? Yeah, well, I think you know, first we're much more have always been much more moved by first party than than third party. I mean, if you think about us, we were a data company long before they talked about data companies. I mean, we've we've had a database probably for you know, 70 years. So um, I think that we've always brought that to bear. We were not particularly reliant on cookies. So I think for us, this is really all upside. Um, you know, I know from the team that they they feel like the what we're delivering now is much stronger for advertisers and we see it in renewals. Um, and you see it just in the growth in the numbers. And I, if, if my ad salespeople were here, they would say, well, 100% of the growth is related to data because there is no selling without without data, um, but that seems like a very extreme number to give you uh, as a quote. <laughs> but that's probably what they would tell us. 
Okay, yeah. So I wanted to get back to the commerce side of things um, because I feel like another part of the first-party data conversation is also looking at how um, brands that have a strong commerce or like affiliate business going for them, um, like how they're able to use first-party data to inform where they grow in the commerce and affiliate space. Um, I guess, are you using the audience data um, to pinpoint, you know, areas of focus for affiliate um coverage or content um or are you maybe on like the other side of things with your um the family handyman uh, university um like are you using any data to help inform programming for that which is also like a commerce play for you i'm curious how first party data yeah. ties in I think that's a really great question and I think it's really about connecting all those points you know that um you'll feel like we finally arrived we're not doing all of that right um I think that we are definitely doing it on affiliate. Um, I'll put DIY University to the side. I mean, on the affiliate side, we're definitely looking at what's selling and what people want. And then that informs our editorial decisions, assuming that it's on brand, right? So we're not going to write about something that doesn't have that authenticity, but it is very much a virtuous circle of, um, of writing, uh, studying and then and then coming back and the, the guy who runs our affiliate writes these very um, valuable monthly notes to a lot of people about what's working and why and what drives volume and what drives um, commissions and so it really is uh, heavily informed back um, back to the content creators I think I think so I think we're better at using that data for that purpose I think we haven't completed that circle for DIYU. But I'll give you an example. We did a family handyman, uh, I don't know, and I don't know if you're a DIYer, but we did the most incredible uh, project of renovating a 1970s uh, trailer and painted it, you know, cherry red and redid all the Wi-Fi and the audio. And um, we ended up, it was the cover of, of our magazine. It, was, it actually was going to, we had a, we had a truck advertiser all signed up and then COVID hit, they were going to be basically towing the, um, the trailer around the country. But in any case, we then did a DIY class. And I just saw a note recently from a, a customer saying how, you know, they wanted to do the project. They read it in the magazine. The guy convinced his wife that they should go buy an old, you know, an old trailer. And then lo and behold, he goes on our site and sees that there's a class. And, you know, we were, we were all saying like, that's the way it should be, right? There should be that connection of, I go online, I search for it, boom, there's a, there's a uh, class. And I think, when we first launched our digital um, projects business, we digitized the projects that were the most searched, right? And it should be that same idea. The classes, of course, are a lot more labor, um, but I think the more that data informs all of our product decisions, the better, J just like an advertiser, right? In, in a way where we're using our own properties to advertise our own products. So I think that that's where a lot more growth will come from for us. So I'm excited to know that we haven't done it all, even though I'm always very impatient. Um, so I think more to, more to come on that front. And you mentioned earlier that you recently moved the affiliate um, under the affiliate business under editorial. Can you talk about that decision and why that seemed like a um, a good home for this affiliate content area to sit? Because um, speaking with different publishers, I think they have different approaches to how um, mm -hmm. affiliate fits into editorial. So I'm curious about um, the decision to do that on your end. Yeah, I think it's. I think it was a big decision. I think it was a bold decision because we obviously always think about content creators as a separation of church and state, and 
Um, we want always to be thinking about the audience first. And I think that's part of our DNA. Um, I think ultimately we decided that um, we did we would not be giving up any focus on our customer by having affiliate. And in fact, it meant that the affiliate would be um, more integrated and give the consumer a better experience. Right. So if you, you think about that, you know, you're on our you're on our site and, and you, you know, you, you don't just want to have a link. You want it to be tied to something. And we write about products all the time. So I think what's happened is that we've you know, greatly improved the process flow, dramatically increased the education um, and it and it and it's working. Um, but I think, you know, it's very clear to everyone that um, in Taste of Home isn't going to start writing about um you know, something that just doesn't doesn't make sense for that for that brand, uh, and that the voice of that brand is a is an editorial an editorial voice. So I think that's been very exciting for us. And previously, it had been in our digital group, and we you know talked about putting it in our sales group because of the hybrid deals. Um, but I think you know, in the end, as I always tell everyone, there is no perfect org structure. So it's really about having aligned goals, and I think we have aligned goals and. Um, and it and it's working. And obviously the numbers, you know, the numbers show that. And I think the editors have really enjoyed it because in the end they are talking about products. Uh, and so why wouldn't they have that opportunity to um, to also engage in monetization? And I'm curious, is it, uh, I guess, do all of the brands have some sort of uh, affiliate or commerce element to them? I think um, your health focus brand I believe in speaking with um, people at Trusted Media Brands prior to this, there was talk about how to maybe have um, that commerce angle within a, a very health-focused, uh, you know, publication. So I'm, I'm curious, like, which brands have that? Um, they all do, and, and including the healthy. And you're right. I mean, we waited. You know, the healthy launched um, a year ago or so, and we waited. Uh, we, we didn't want to feel like we were – trying to sell things. And I think as we've increased the amount of traffic that we have and, and our uh, head of content has felt comfortable with the way to do this uh, and it's working. Our numbers are, are growing there. Um, I think for Family Handyman and Taste of Home, it's obviously so much easier, um, but I think uh, Teresa, our, our, our head of content has found her voice there. Uh, and I think Reader's Digest is actually having a lot of fun with it. They just did an article on the best mascara and it was around getting a deal, right? And that's the thing about Reader's Digest. They can write about anything, um, but where does it make sense? And I think that's where you have to have great content creators who know, you know, what, what makes sense to the audience and what's the voice so that you don't just look like you're trying to sell somebody anything. Um, and so I'm proud of the team. I think that they've done a great job of, of striking that balance. What, um, I guess, what does commerce look like for the healthy? Is that um, very focused on, um, like, I don't know, my mind goes to maybe like uh, pharmaceutical or uh, even um, like vitamins and supplements as a category that maybe works there? Yeah, I mean, more OTC than than pharmaceutical. So uh, yeah, and I think, you know, the, the healthy writes about a lot of interesting um, topics, right? So it's not only, you know, diseases, but things around health and wellness. And I think that that health and wellness category really um, lends itself to a lot of different uh, areas. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. 
you mentioned the hybrid deals um, between the sales and the commerce side of things. And I did cover, um, well, I guess it was maybe about a year ago now, um, I did cover the hybrid model when um, your your group was first talking about it and how um, it was taking, you know, sponsored display ad and including like a, a link to shop a product, um, you know, taking those two areas and really like melding them together. Um, I'm curious, how has that model been performing for you? Is that like a large driver of both, you know, sales and uh, commerce revenue for you? Or, or how did that model end up, um, you know, playing out over the past year? Yeah, we continue to do those hybrid deals. They, again, really serve both the consumer and, you know, and the advertising partner. Um, and so we look at, you know, what makes sense. It also helps you know, if you first have a big affiliate link uh, or, or affiliate program and, and driving revenue, then I think those retailers are more interested in having those kind of partnerships. So I suspect that we'll have more of them, both broad ones like a Walmart, but also, you know, with a smaller company that maybe makes a handful of, of food appliances. So I think for us, you know, we are open to the best experience and we expect those to continue. I don't know what percentage of our growth is coming from that, which I probably is your next question. <laughs> um, but uh, but we feel uh, we feel like both straight content and affiliate partnerships are definitely the way to go. Um, and we also have our own line of products, right? We have Taste of Home cookware and bakeware. So that's important too. And I think to your point about DIY and using data, that's where our growth will come from by thinking about our own products in the same way that we think about other products. Have you started doing any kind of like um, consumer research maybe um, through first party data to help inform the the merchandise that you have on your end like um, has any of the like lines of cookware for instance um, any of those products come through um, audience data that you've collected or, or search anything like that well actually it has and, and, and the partner that we're working with they asked to look for our top searched recipes. And I think they looked at at least 100. Um, and they said, oh, we, we have to come out with a line of cast iron. Look how many of your top recipes have cast iron. And we were like, oh, that's a great, that's a great way to think about it. And um, I have to say, because I bought them, uh, they are really, really great, great products. Uh, and so that that has been fun. Uh and we're now about to come out with a, a pretty extensive line of gadgets. So they're all things that we would be using. And our test kitchen actually helps to create it. So there's always something that's just a little a little bit different in the product. It's actually pretty clever. Uh, and it really is a result of having people that cook for a living um, and think about those details. You mentioned that obviously you've had um, you know pretty significant growth from a revenue standpoint. Have you been focused on growing your team at all in either the like commerce area? Cause this seems to be a, a pretty significant growth area. Um, I think you mentioned that affiliate was up 75% year over year. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, uh, are you growing like staff wise to help support some of these, um, you know, new initiatives? Yes, we brought someone to focus, uh, I don't know about 100%, but largely on deals, like that was a whole new area. And you really have to, it's, it's a lot of information. And to, then, of course, to, to pick the right brands for the deals to go to. So uh, we have done that. We just hired, uh, uh, we just got an acceptance for another editor for Family Handyman. Family Handyman is our, um, is our biggest affiliate brand, as you would expect, you know, 
really is not a lot of competition in the DIY space. We have so much authority and so much history and products tend to be a lot more expensive. Um, so if you're buying that snowblower, you know, you're going to spend hundreds of dollars. You can spend over a thousand dollars on a snowblower. Uh, so we, we definitely will continue to invest in family handyman. I will also say the other area. So it's not quite as much how many headcounts you have, you know, assigned to this is the fact that every editor understands affiliate commerce. So we have a very large content team and to have part of their share of brain and time thinking about this allows us to have that much more coverage uh, from a commerce perspective. Yeah, that's a good point, too. And I was just speaking with another publisher earlier today about um, commerce and um, like the way that publishers have to think about it. It's almost like switching to uh the way that she described it was switching to like a retailer mindset um, when moving, like, I guess to your point earlier of like moving um, the affiliate business under editorial and, and editors sharing that part of their brain to focus on, um, you know, commerce content. Was there a, a, any element of training or um, I guess, how did you get editors to make that switch to have that like retailer kind of mindset um around that content? Like how did, how did that kind of training occur if it did? Yeah, well, I think a lot of it really goes back to data because when you see that your audience likes it, you know, for an editor, right? A content creator wants to please their audience. And so if Family Handyman, which has always covered products, I mean, one of the most famous sections in the magazine is called Stuff We Love. So in a way it was part, for, certainly for Family Handyman, their, their DNA. Um, so I think it was, you, know, you see the data and you're like, wow, all these people were really interested in, in what I wrote about. That's really powerful. And then sharing the numbers, like how much money this makes. I mean, we, we don't want people to be off the island and not you know, know that we're making money. We're very clear with our audience and clear with our editors. So I think there was that, in, in, if I could include that as training, which is just data, you're looking at the data and the reaction. And I think then we have our affiliate team helping our uh, content leads to really understand why one thing works better than another, because it's not always intuitive. So, you know, what leads somebody to click on that article? What leads them to buy? And the difference of, you know, I clicked on your review, but I didn't buy anything versus I clicked on that review and I bought something is, is really important to understand. I think for um, a taste of home, the test kitchen always tested products, but it wasn't a big part of what was covered in the magazine. But online, we have so much more permission and space unlimited uh, that that gave them an opportunity to cover what they were already doing in the test kitchen. So that's that was a great opportunity. And I think Reader's Digest has had a lot of fun with it, because like I said earlier, they can write about anything. So what is it that they want to cover? And Birds and Blooms, which is our little engine that could, um, we just replatformed them in June, so not even a year. And it's been really exciting because... Again, we have a lot of authority. We have a lot of community and people want to know, you know, do you want to make your own suet? You know, do you, uh, you know, what's the best bird feeders? How do you keep the squirrels off? Um, I don't know, you probably live in an apartment in Brooklyn, right? Do you live in Brooklyn? And I'm talking to you about these things. But anyway, <laughs> it's, I, it yeah. really is. I, I know what you mean. But I think, you know, it's great to, to see that and to see where all of these brands have permission to play and that, you know, commerce is a service, right? I mean, maybe that really is the ultimate answer to your question um, is for an editor that that we are in fact 
giving our consumers a, a service when we when we tell them about the best bird feeder or how to attract yet another hummingbird um, to your garden. So it's a it's it's been a win. It's been a win win. And I think also our content people know that we are always about consumer first. So mm. if if there was an issue, we we wouldn't we wouldn't cross that line. That makes total sense. Um, I'm curious, and I, I don't know how much clarity you have on um, on this because it, it might be more of like a in the weeds question. But I'm curious, like, have commission rates? Um, I know that they dropped a little bit during the onset of the pandemic, and at the time when Amazon just you know couldn't really fulfill orders in the the promised two day um, prime delivery span. But um, are, are commission rates like have they been pretty good uh, across the the different retailers that you work with? Like, have they remained you know pre COVID levels, or um, what are you seeing there? They're not back to pre COVID levels, but they are gro- going increasing um, for certain categories. Um, again, we have probably the highest rates for family handyman. Um, also, with Amazon, we're now part of their program to write reviews, and so that allows you to get um, a higher share. So I think we're we're definitely connected to the biggest um, partners, and, um, and and we can leverage some of that for for higher mm-hmm. rates, but not it's not like pre-pandemic. Got it. Yeah, I was going to ask if you were doing any of that. Um, I think it's called on-site publishing um, with Amazon. Um, a few publishers I've spoken with have have mentioned how that's a, a new area within the affiliate and commerce um, realm and how, to your point, that does tend to, to leverage a slightly higher rate. Can you talk about um, that piece of your business? And are you, I guess, like, who's tasked with writing the reviews that end up living on, like, Amazon's site? Yeah, so we we are doing that with Amazon, and it's exciting. It's great to be part of a, a new program with them. Um, and I believe that it's written by both our affiliate team and our, uh, and, our and our brand um, content creators. Uh, so we definitely, you know, whatever makes the most sense. But uh, I think that we have a lot of opportunity there, and I think this is where you know all the care that you've taken of your brand for all of these years really comes to your benefit because people believe a taste of home and a reader's digest and a family handyman and a bird's blooms when they, when they write a review and we never want to do anything to jeopardize, you know, that trust. Right now, it sounds like you're doing a lot of these um, affiliate links that allow people to click through to the retailers um, websites and purchase, you know, on their sites. Are you thinking at all about trying to develop, um, maybe like on-site purchasing where, you know, people can buy from a few different sites um, and and just check out on your own domain or like, are you thinking about any of that kind of advancement into, um, I don't know if I want to call it like a marketplace, like kind of set up, um, but like some publishers are thinking about making transactions like easy um, on-site so that there isn't like people leaving, um, you know, familyhandyman.com or something like that. Um, is that anything that you're thinking about? Yes, we just brought in a new CMO, uh, actually, from from commerce, from the commerce world, who's with Gwynny B uh, and Castle. And uh, so that's very exciting for us. Uh, we've, we have two shops already. We have Shop Taste of Home and, and Shop Reader's Digest. Uh, and so we, she just joined us about six weeks ago. She has a few few items on her list to do, but but one of them is, you know, what should that e-commerce strategy be? So, for instance, should we have one larger store across all of our brands? Should we be including, you know, 
certain products only on a, a monthly basis, uh, you know, so, or there are now new tools where they'll combine all the baskets in, in the back of the house. And so consumers don't realize that they're buying from, you know, 10 different shopping carts. So we're exploring all that. Um, and we think, you know, there's some interesting uh, possibilities there. Um, we've already had, a, we've had a great year with our own commerce the way it is now. Um, but we do think that there's a lot more, and again, tying in DIY University and the and the and the um, Taste of Home subscription box, we've separated a lot of our things as we launched new products. We kind of had, have used the best in class tech, and I think bringing that back so that it's one you know facing experience for the consumer will will actually be important. Um, and there's some really great plugins from WordPress that we think will help us to get there faster. So I would say you should call us again in six months or we'll call you. <laughs> um, I think Michelle would be an amazing person to interview Michelle Korczynski, our new CMO. Uh, and I think this is a very exciting time for us because we are such strong marketers um, that I think this will be a great, you know, great area of growth for us. And, and then, you know, the other part of that strategy is where does the affiliate link go in vis-a-vis -vis your, you know, your own, your own products? Cause we have a lot of products, you know, we're not like most other publishers, right? We, we create a lot of products. So how, how does that all fit again, so that it makes sense um, to the consumer? That said, I mean, it sounds like obviously we've been talking about commerce pretty extensively. We talked about advertising earlier, but I guess like looking at your revenue, um, is commerce on its way to being like a primary revenue driver for trusted media brands? Or how are you looking at that kind of um, uh, revenue breakdown in 2021? Or I guess uh, since your fiscal year ends in June, um, how are you looking at what this fiscal year will end um you know, in terms of revenue breakdown? So I think this year commerce will still be small for us because um, I think we still have to make some of those um, tech tech investments. Uh, for us, I mean, advertising is becoming a bigger piece of our pie, which, you know, we are not historically an ad-driven company. So that's um, actually kind of funny for us. Uh, but that's clearly where we've had our most growth. We still, you know, get most of our revenue from our consumers. We have a, actually a very significant book business. And if you've been reading anything about books, books have done very well this year. Uh, and our books certainly have done very well. So we're very proud of that business. So, you know, we look at our, we look at our business and, you know, we have the DIY University, we have the um, Taste of Home subscription box and digital project plans, right? So those are our three new businesses for these last couple of years that we've launched. Um, we have our book business that continues to grow. We have our magazine subscription and then and, and, and we have our advertising. So print advertising is down a little bit and digital advertising is obviously up quite, quite a bit. So we look at it across all those um, pockets and we're doing our three year plan in, in, uh, in, in next month starting it. And I think that will be a very interesting time to answer your question. You know, what do we think commerce is actually going to be over the next three years? Uh, and how much of our marketing power do we want to put behind that? We have a great newsletter business. Um, you know, we can bring our newsletters to bear against all sorts of things. So what's the right and best use? And I think as we connect that beast to the data lake, <laughs> it'll, it'll help, us, uh, help us answer some of those questions. My final question, which I think will tie into um, my curiosity around your three-year 
your plan. Other major focuses of growth this year, like other projects that you're really excited about that we haven't talked um, too much on, or like, I guess, like, where are your, you know, most exciting focuses um, for this coming year? So I think we're very excited about expanding um, the box business, right? We have doubled our subscribers this year, this fiscal year versus last year. We think that um, we can do a lot more with that. We'll probably look at launching a premium um, box and also a monthly box. Uh, I The Taste of Home subscription box has a bunch of things in it, but the number one and number two items are always the cookbook and the gadget. And I read the research every quarter and, and it, it, it is really fascinating that people cannot get enough, right? If you are that person, um, you cannot get enough. We launched a digital community called Bakeable and the Facebook group, which I'm a part of, is so impressive. I mean, people sharing what they're baking all the time and we have baking challenges. And I think there's a lot more growth that we can do with Bakeable, um, whether it's through more products or through boxes. Um, I think DIY University and you, of course, asked such great questions about that connection. Um, and I think we, we are getting that connection tighter between all parts of Family Handyman. And so I think DIY University will continue to grow. And the digital project plans right now, we have a lot of testing underway about um, bundling them, or maybe it's you know project plan of the month or uh, whatever it can be. And so I, we're very, very excited about about those products. Um, at the same time, we do expect to see continued extraordinary growth from advertising because we believe that our traffic will continue to grow. And as our tech gets stronger and stronger, it will enable us to get those higher rates. So we, we feel like we have a lot of areas of growth and, and affiliate revenue is one that we, we, we believe in. And we think that that, that will um, be another big driver. So we're we're excited um, actually uh, about what we can accomplish, and it's a you know it's a great it's a great team and and very strong brands that have been cared for um, for a long time. Well, thank you so much for taking your time today to to be on the podcast. Um, this has been a really a fun conversation, so really appreciate it. Thank you, Kaylee. I really appreciate you having me and uh, look forward to coming back to report back on all of our great projects. <laughs> all right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Digiday podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening. And please don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. You can even rate us and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts if you like. We'll be back next week with another episode.